me just say this. You know, the words that have been spoken over us about revival and awakening and things, none of us feel worthy for this. You know that, right? How many of you feel worthy to be really used of God? I don't know that many that feel worthy. We've been made worthy by the blood. And if, if the Lord was up here this morning, you know what He would say to us? He'd say, you are a chosen generation. You, you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation called in this hour. So don't, don't give up. It's what God says, and we're going to believe God. Now, I've got to read something because two weeks ago we were in Santa Domingo. We were, well, the Dominican Republic. Dylan was supposed to go, but he stayed. He was AWOL. He got stuck in South Africa. So James and I went. James is off down in Mississippi or something. I don't know, working. But anyway, we were, the last day we had a couple hours free. And um, so we were off. And I had my, my Bible. I'm reading and reading this book that I'm trying to read. It's a big, thick book. And I'll get it read Sometime before Christmas of 2000, uh, you know, I'm going to get, I've got a long list. You know what I mean? How many of you got, you got stuff you want to read, you got to get to, you will eventually. So anyway, James is reading this book that we have in our bookstore. And it's called The Rise of the Holy Ones. And uh, it's by Michael Fickus. He's a part of Morningstar. And, and he's, anyway, let me just, can I just read a couple paragraphs? Because I had totally... Well, not totally, but I had mostly forgotten the significance of this. But it has a lot to do with us. He says, at the turn of the millennium, Bob Jones had a prophetic experience in which the Lord took him to Satan's trophy room. And in Satan's trophy room, he was to see all the things the powers of darkness had stolen from the body of Christ. I bet that room is filled the most treasured object in the enemy's possession was the banner of holiness. This banner was emblazoned with, uh, with, it was in fire. The word of the Lord from Leviticus that said, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And of all the things stolen from the church, Bob considered holiness to be the most significant. And in this prophetic experience, he reached up to grab the banner, and he said, all hell broke loose. And in Bob's revelation, he noticed the scripture on the banner was written in a strange ancient language. And he wrote down the characters, which were later confirmed by others to be an ancient Semitic language, predating modern Hebrew. And uh, the most obvious message that uh, the author says was that God wanted to restore the revelation of holiness. And the banner just represented that. Not that everyone was backslidden. And it's not our definition of holiness. It's God's definition. But Bob emphasized that the Bible made it clear that holiness would be one of the primary characteristics that will mark God's people at the end of the age or in the last days. Now, do you know where that banner is? People used, they would ask me what it means. It's right there. Now, that's not the very, obviously, we know, not the physical banner, but it's the language, the ancient Semitic language. Because it was, we were supposed to raise it. And for those of you that were around when we were in Wilkesboro, in this warehouse, we brought that in and we had a big worship service. And we, you know, we told people, that's what it is. It's, this is the, the English. Holy shalt thou be, for I, the Lord thy God, am holy. And I just, it, it was brought to my 
you know, my attention. And because there are a couple of times I thought, wait, you know, why is that even here anymore? And I just forgot, you know, but the Lord said he wanted it here. Now, again, none of us are worthy, but it's here. It's here. That which Bob took back is here. So we have that means God's got his hand on us. And it's for a specific purpose, for a specific time. And the message of holiness is going to be preached again. We're going to have that. And it's going, it's the, the fear of God. But I just pray that there will be worthy, ready to walk in all that he's doing. Because he would not put it here unless he had a strategic plan to do that. I mean, if you know it. It just doesn't show up. People would often ask me, what does it mean? And at times I just, well, I think it, it means that. But it means more than that. It means that. But it means something that you've been called to. Now, you're a part of that. You're in this congregation. What does that mean? You're special? No. But we should feel like we're special. You know, you know that scripture that says he's anointed you more than all of your companions? When I read that the first time when I'm a younger guy, I thought God was talking about me. I said, God, you've anointed me more than you've anointed everybody else on the earth. Now, that's not the case. God's no respecter of persons, but I believed it, and you ought to believe it. You ought to believe you're God's favorite, because His favor comes when you draw close to Him. And God favors all, obviously, you know, He loves them all. But we ought to believe that we're His favorite. And um, so let's just believe we're His favorite. Remember that lady I told you a few weeks ago that came here from somewhere, and she said on her way here, God spoke to her and said, I want to take you to one of my real churches. And she comes in the door. She says, i got to tell you what God told me on the way here this morning. And when she told me that, you know, just like all of us, I'd say, well, God, we want to be. You know, we want to be. I want to be one of those. Well, it's, listen, I just talked about you and you just showed up. That's pretty good, man. I had a prophetic unction this morning and uh, you showed up, James. You're not in Mississippi. You're here. You're in North. You were in Mississippi. Amen. We we're just going to have fun. I'm just going to. Break off into this. At our last leadership meeting, too, with the pastors from the various Morningstar churches, Rick was challenging us, Rick Joyner, you know, that it's okay to preach topical, prophetic messages, but don't let that be the main thing. You know, preach the Scriptures. Preach the Word. There are times, line by line, precept by precept. And we do that, you know, some... Around here, we try to do that. We, we do go after the topical things, too. We want to be relevant. But, you know, you can't just eat steak every day. You know, steak is like the primary food, you know, people eat once every once in a while. I mean, how many of you eat steak every day? Some of you may. But why don't we eat it every once in a while? It's like um, you got to eat the other stuff, the broccoli, the green beans, the corn, you know, that helps you grow. It's like now where I grew up. The main thing was not steak. You know what it was in Louisiana? Catfish. You know, that to me was a specialty food. And every Friday, yeah, some of you are saying yuck. That's exactly what Shirley said. Every Friday, we would go eat catfish. When we first got married, I believe it was the first year, she, we were at down in Louisiana. It's New Year's Eve. Shirley gets all dressed up. She thinks we're going out for steak. No, we go to the Pine Catfish House. And we sit on the finest, you know, picnic bench with the finest napkins and plastic forks that you can find. And Shirley felt so out of place. You remember that? 
She didn't even eat catfish. She said, I'm not going to eat catfish because they eat the, the droppings of other whatever, you know. So she never eats catfish. When we go, she eats chicken fingers or something like that, you know. But, but you know what I'm saying? You know, they're the specialty foods. But you, you don't grow up on that stuff. Some of you are saying you shouldn't have grown up on catfish. You know, that's probably didn't do you that well, but... But Jesus said, every word, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, we need the rhema, you know, the, that special revelation. But we also need the logos. Just read the logos. And then ask the Holy Spirit to make rhema out of the logos. Does that, everybody understand that? So let's go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, this is where we, we touched on the scripture last week with the group that was here from the Global Awakening. But I wanted to go back and let this be like a, a launching to where we're going this morning because there's something really God spoke to me in this. And it's verse 31 of John chapter 3. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. So he emphasizes twice. We know who he's referring to. Jesus, he's above all. How many of you would agree this morning? He is above all. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies. And is that not true? Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And he only spoke what he was commanded by the Father to speak. So this just is further confirmation of, of what we've known in other places. And no one receives his testimony. Now, that specifically, he came to his own, his own received him not. But it's true today, there, not everybody's receiving his testimony. Not everyone wants to hear what he has to say. And they don't receive that. And then verse 33... He says, he who received his testimony has certified that God is true. And is that not, Jesus came to reveal the Father. And so those who received the testimony of Jesus, they certified in their heart, God is true. God is real. And so it is today. We, wanna, we want people to come to this church or this property. And when they leave, there's something certified in their heart. God is real. You know what I mean? God is true. God is able. God is God. There's no God like our, our God. We want that kind of testimony from this place. And then, for he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. You know, it's okay to hear the words of men. They might inspire you for a little while. But the word of God is what endures forever. And we want to hear what God has to say, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. And we looked at that as... The word measure means by limit. And Jesus, we would all agree, He had the Holy Spirit without measure, right? All the gifts of the Holy Spirit were working in Him and through Him. But you know, the Bible says the same Spirit that raised Jesus' dead body from the grave lives where? Lives in us. So, how many of you have just a partial Holy Spirit living in you? Anybody just, maybe just, you know, one little eighth of the, no, you have the whole Holy Spirit. This thing is a little bit bigger than what we've been led to believe. And the enemy lies to us. There's something much greater. Greater is He. Not only greater is He that's in the world, but greater is He that is in us. You know what I mean? 
It's our God. It's the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit. He comes to convict of sin. He comes to live within us. He comes to come upon us and anoints us. But we have the same Holy Spirit. The difference is, is in the distribution of the gifts of the Spirit. Jesus operated in all the gifts. You and I, though I've, you know, there are people that operate in many of the gifts, but still they're distributed individually for the whole body, right? Let's just look at that real quick because last weekend was about the words of knowledge and stirring up gifts of healing. So I want to just read this over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and then I'm going to get over into 2 Peter where I want to, I want to end up this morning. That's the main thing. But I want to just delay this foundation. I wanted to read the word and stir this up because whatever God did last week, there was some stirring of the words of knowledge. We don't want to lose that stuff. I don't want to anymore you know, go to a meeting, a conference, or church, and God do something, and there's a revelation, and then you forget it. Or you walk away, and it, it, you don't walk in it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I, I can remember so many conferences, and I heard some of the greatest messages. And you know God did some of the greatest, you know, that I could imagine. And then, you know, you forgot, or whatever, you let it slip away. Or actually, the birds of the air come and devour Every single time the word is preached, the birds come to devour what was sown so that it won't bring forth a harvest. We have to drive the vultures off. We have to drive them away and stand firm and let what God has spoken and what God has done bear the ultimate fruit. How many of you would say amen? You know what I mean? We want the ultimate fruit. We don't want the enemy to steal anything that he's done. And we've got to have that kind of mindset in this coming harvest. Not the coming Jesus didn't say it was coming. You know what he said about the harvest? He said, it's come. Lift up your eyes to the hills. And so go to the highways and byways. But anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, talking to believers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now how many of you want to be ignorant? Nobody wants to be ignorant. Paul had a way of... Just telling it like it is. And in the next verse, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. So right off the bat, he could have offended a lot of folks. You're ignorant and you're being led away, you dummy. You're dumb. Ignorant and dumb. They didn't call them dumb. He said, but they're being led away, so you might as well have called them dumb. You know, by these dumb idols. So we don't want to just say, I don't want to be ignorant. And I don't want to be dumb. Therefore. So therefore, verse 3, what is it therefore? Therefore... So you won't be ignorant, you won't be dumb. I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus cursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's indwelling. You cannot call Him Lord unless you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And we know that He also comes upon us for that empowerment for special tasks, and we know that's part of the, the whole message. Verse 4, there are diversities or Various kinds or an allotment of gifts, but the same Spirit. Say the same Spirit. Their diversities are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Say each one. For the profit, not for their profit. You know, God's going to shake that thing and rattle and roll too. Making a profit. <laughs> you, you live from the gospel, obviously. You, have, you live from the gospel, but it's your effort, your main thing is not to make a profit. It's to be a profit to all. For to one is given the word of wisdom, 
What is the word of wisdom, real quick? It's something all of a sudden you know. Wisdom, you need, there's a situation that you need wisdom and God just gives it to you. How many of you know we need that in this hour? Words of wisdom, things are going to happen and God's going to give people wisdom. It's like, man, why didn't I think of that? Because God didn't give it to you, that's why. And you couldn't have thought of it. It's something out of heaven. It's a word of wisdom for a situation. We, we need those things. And then to another, through the Spirit, to another, the word of knowledge. And again, that's just what we stirred up last week. You know something about a situation or about someone that you could not have known unless God showed you. And remember those that came, He gave us how God, how the words of knowledge come to us. I remember hearing how John Wimber would see things written over people's foreheads, like adultery. You know, that's a, that's a challenge. You go up, hey, I see adultery on you, brother, or something, you know what I mean? Uh, he was wise, but God, stir that up in us. We want to see that stuff. You know what I mean? We need that. You can go in love, because if you tell somebody they're living in adultery, that's living in adultery, and you do it in a way that God will bring conviction. He's revealing the secrets of their heart because He wants them to know He loves them. He wants them to turn and repent. So anyway, the words of knowledge, the same Spirit to another, the faith. Another. This is the gift of faith. We're going to need gifts of faith. I'm going to stir all this up in a minute. We need gifts of faith. Things are too big for us. We need a gift of faith that's a supernatural infusion of heaven in the situation that causes us to believe God in something that was impossible, but it became possible. Does that anybody understand? Now stay with me. I haven't even got to the main thing yet. Know that there's not a whole lot of folks here because of the cube of ice out there or whatever. So I'm going to, if I see anybody sleeping, I'm going to, now you guys on the web, I can't shake you if you're sleeping, but anyway. And then to another, the gifts of healing. We need gifts of healing. We've got to have gifts of healing. We all lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But there are those gifts of healing that He births in us so that we can operate in a supernatural. We've got to have supernatural gifts. They're big diseases. Our God is bigger than these big diseases. In the name of Jesus, it's the church that's going to rise up and confront this darkness. Because He's given us these gifts and then by the same Spirit to another, the working of miracles. You could, you know, go on about that. Another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. And uh, so we just see that uh, the Holy Spirit gives us individually. He distributes these gifts according to the will of God. Now, we need to stir that up. That happened last week. Does that, you know what I'm talking about. So, if you can, stand up for a moment. I just want to seal that. Now, some of you weren't even here last week. So, that's okay. You're going to get in on it. We're going to let the splash splash on you. We've got to have everybody operating in their spiritual gifts. We could go through a 20-week course on spiritual gifts. What we need is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this hour. You know, that's the thing America needs. I don't know if we have time to do all the programs. We need the Holy Spirit to break over the heavens. We need a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. And the simplest children, youth, it doesn't matter. All these gifts, the gift of prophecy, wisdom, tongues, miracles, we need it all. So, Father, we're just asking. We have not because we ask not. So we're asking. These are gifts. There's nothing we can do to earn them. 
we're not good enough, that's already settled. It's not because we've arrived or achieved at some place. God, we come to You. And we thank You. You're the head of the church. And we ask You now, Jesus, would You pour out, would You allow the Spirit of God to be poured out here and release the gifts of the Holy Spirit You distribute them according to Your will to each one. We thank You that everyone has value. Everyone has a divine calling. And so we reach up by faith. We grab the gifts that are intended for this place, for us, for this hour. God, we're asking for gifts of miracles. How are we going to reach a whole nation? We're going after our county, but our vision, You've given us a vision for the whole nation. So, Lord, we're asking for gifts of miracles. We're asking for prophecies. We're asking God for words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Lord, we ask You for breakthrough words that would be spoken in businesses that would set that business in on a totally different course. God, we ask You, every person in this room, everyone that's watching, Lord, we believe when we pray. We have faith. And because they're gifts, all we can do is ask and receive. So right now, by faith, we receive all these gifts and we release them over the net, over the internet. We release them in this room. We release them to those that couldn't be here because they said there was snow. We release them, God. Do it mightily. We pray by faith, Holy Spirit, we receive from you. Now, Lord, we believe we're going to operate in this stuff. We're going to see an increase. We saw words of knowledge last week. We don't want to just see it on a Sunday or a weekend. We want to see it every day. We need every day the body to be the body connected to the head and we thank you hallelujah by faith we receive now we know the enemy will send the birds of the air so right now we drive off the vultures we drive off the birds of the air and we pray god let this fall on fertile soil let it bear 100 fold fruit there's someone that even came today for this prayer so i release god that there would be 100 fold fruit Lord, I ask you to use them as a great harvest in their region, their city. And God, we thank you now that you rule and reign. Hallelujah. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, if you don't mind, stand. I got part two. Or no, sit. No, no. You sit. I'll do part two. Is that good? Hey, this is real. It, you know when the... In little meetings like this is when the Spirit of God could really, you know, just really be poured out. Okay, look over in Second Peter. There's some things I wanted us to do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to get through this because next week is Resurrection Sunday. And I want to save this for Resurrection Sunday. I want to I preach on stuff, you know, topical. No, 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 no. It'll be the Word. But I want to go after, you know, the things about the cross and... And the resurrection, because it's that day anyway. You Now you know, I really heed that word from Rick. But we often preach the Scripture word. for We want to do that more and more. That's how we grow. You can't live on catfish alone. You've you got to have the hush puppies. You've got to have the french fries. The coleslaw. You gotta, we don't, do they even have that up in North Carolina? I've not found one. Eastern North Carolina. Because when it was a shock when I came up here, what, no catfish houses? You guys ever visit South Louisiana, you need to go to Pine, Louisiana, the Pine Catfish House. 
But don't get dressed up. You'll look really different. You'll look like you're out of place. You know, get ready to eat with plastic forks and spoon. No, you would like that place. I'm telling you, it's not greasy or at all. We got spoiled. When we moved up here, you remember, we went to it. We found a catfish house around Shelby. And it was greasy. I took, I, I squeezed it in my napkin and the napkin, I ain't eating this stuff, man. I, we're not, this is not, 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 I like catfish, but not this kind of catfish. But anyway, forgive me for who, maybe they're watching this morning at that place. They probably went out of business. No, they didn't. They're probably doing fine. But if they go to Pine, they can learn how to do it right. Okay, I don't mean to be silly. I'm really, but it's good to have fun. Let's have fun. Hey, Cindy and Andy, I, I was watching a video of, of a Hillsong worship CD or, you know, on YouTube, and they had these girls flipping and spinning and flipping and dancing. I just said, Shirley, we got to get this in our church. This, maybe you could start it, Shirley. Start flipping and dancing. Man, we want to celebrate. You know what? We want to celebrate. We have a reason. As the world is being shaken and all this stuff, we're going to be celebrating. We're going to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the world is going to be, what in the world are you guys shouting about? Don't you know what's happening? What? Our God reigns. That's what we know. We know the kingdom is coming. We are receiving the kingdom which cannot be shaken. Come to the fountain of living waters. You know, it's going to be really an exciting time. How many of you say, Lord, bring it on? That's what we want. That's what they said in Revelation. Even so... Come, come. They weren't saying that out of dread. Well, even so, come anyway, Lord. No, even so, come. I could just preach on that this morning. Preach on come. Even so, come. I want the anointing when James, you know, when you just preach one word and the anointing, you know, like, amen. I, I can remember times when you go on those mission trips you know, you don't have to preach much of any. You just preach. You just get up. The people are so hungry. And the, the anointing. And they just... Man, you don't have to be anybody. But I think that's the plan. We're not anybody. He's everybody. And the more we learn that, the better everything is. Okay, Second Peter chapter 1. Now let me get to this. Alright. Simon Peter. Let me read it all and then we'll go back and look at it. Verse by verse. But it won't take too long. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied. Be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as His divine power, say power, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, say promises, that through these you may be a partaker of the divine nature, say the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue to virtue, knowledge to knowledge, self-control to self-control, perseverance to perseverance, godliness to godliness, brotherly kindness to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to the blindness 
even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And then verse 11, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you would agree, because verse 11 is there, that probably what is before verse 11 is pretty important? Because it says, if these things, you need to know about this, so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. So that tells me that this is pretty pretty important. The word entrance means the point reached, the place, a time, a road, a progress, the route or distance, which we know that salvation is a one-time, you come to Jesus, but it's not a one-time thing, is it? It's a journey. It's a journey. It even talks about to the saving of the soul. We're on a journey. We don't want to fall away. Many will fall away from the what? From the faith. That's what the Scripture says. He says, don't be easily deceived. That day is not going to come until two things happen. Many will fall away from the faith. And the son of perdition will be revealed. But we'll save that for a different hour, for a different day. But we know there's a journey we don't want to drop off. We want to, we want to keep to the course. And that's what this scripture is all about. Now, if, if we look at this and break it up, in verse 1, he says, like precious faith. You guys have obtained like precious faith. That means the same faith. There are people going to watch or maybe watching this morning from various nations. Wherever you're watching from, we all share as the family of God in this like precious faith that we've received. And that's what it says. We've obtained it. We received it. We were not born into this. We, we cannot get it from someone else. Remember what Jesus said to Peter. He said, who do men say that I am? What did Peter say? Yeah, yeah, John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets. He said what Jesus basically would have said, well, that sounds good, but who do you say? Who do you say that I am? So we have to individually know him. We can't buy it. Remember in the New Testament, they wanted to buy the gift, you know, and they weren't, it wasn't really well received. We can't earn it, but we must receive this like precious faith. And the answer of how we receive this is found in verse 1. We precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we understand that. Now, it's interesting in verse 1 and verse 2, Jesus is presented in verse 1 as our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is God. How many of you know that? He's God. There's some who lessen His divinity. That is an absolute error. It is false doctrine. He is God. But then in verse 2, it speaks of the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Is that a contradiction? No, it's not a contradiction at all. He was all man, the Son of Man, but He was the Son of God. So He sacrificed. He didn't consider it robbery to consider Himself equal with God. But He laid His life down, right? Okay, we understand all this. Stay with me in this course of thinking. But He's God. Jesus is God. Amen. He's God. And we're not going to let anybody 
throw a wrench in that. They might, but we'll go into the Scripture and we're going to stand firm. It's divine nature. Now verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How many of you need a little more grace and peace? Okay, well, I'm going to throw it out this morning because it can be multiplied, multiplied to you. Grace, great. More grace. You need more grace? You hadn't used all the grace you got, but I'm going to give you more anyway. You get more and peace. Oh, you get all of this stuff. It's coming. Grace and peace be multiplied. And the way it manifests is in the knowledge of God and Jesus, our Savior, the one who is God. Now, Divine power. Look at three things. In verse 3, as His divine power, does it say will give us or has given us? Has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So say, I have divine power. Okay, that's what He said. And then in verse 3, as His divine power, or He goes on in verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. We've been given power. We've been given promises that through these we might be a partaker. Say a partaker. Now, there are three words that are akin to koinonia. We know the fellowship. but And this is one of the words. A partaker is a sharer. We're a sharer in all these great promises that have been given us of the divine nature. So they're divine power, precious promises, and the divine nature. Is ours. Say, I have the divine nature. Now, this is very important for the time in which we're living. We got to know what He's done. We got to hang on to this. We are those who will not just escape, but having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Guess what? You have already escaped. You've escaped the great escape. Do you remember that movie? Where did they escape from? Alcatraz or somewhere. You know, I don't remember where they escaped from. But you've escaped the depravity of the world, the corruption. Through the knowledge of the Son of God, we have His divine power. We have these promises and we have this divine nature. And we've escaped the world. Now we have to continue battling. We know the flesh. But we have escaped. We've been in the great escape. The cross led us to freedom. We have to know this. And then verse 5, but also... For this very reason. Now this is where it gets good. Well, it's all good. But for this very reason, give all diligence. In other words, okay, now you stand in faith. You have these divine promises, the divine nature, the divine power, all these things. So now sit down and rest until you're taken to heaven. No, that's not good. That's no good. No good. This is a journey. It's a journey. Say a journey. But also for this very reason, because of this that I've given you, you've obtained through faith. Add. Say add. Add. Did you guys, did any of you guys like math, algebra, geometry, trigonometry? When they got to the T's and G's, I kind of backed off. I didn't mind math. You know, two plus two, I didn't mind. But when they got to all these things, you know, the circumference and all these. I don't even know all this stuff. It's because I was probably not listening the day they were teaching that stuff. But I do know enough to know that add means you got to add. you got to add something to this equation. Add to your faith that you've received freely. Virtue. To virtue knowledge. And then he goes on. So I want to go over these words real quick. And this is how we're going to wrap it up today. Because we got to add. we got to add. 
We got to be in an adding mode right now. You don't want to come and just be a, a bystander. You want to be in the game. You want to be engaged. Those who do the will of God, it's not those who just do things occasionally. The will of God, they are the ones. Remember Matthew chapter 7. They're the ones. Those who have done the will of God. We want to be good and faithful servants. How many of you agree? We want to be all that we've been called to be. We don't want to fall up, come up short. We want to arrive at the destiny. We want to reach the mark. Now, He's already done it. He's led the way and He's in us. So anyway, virtue, the Greek meaning is excellence, valor. It can also mean manliness. Now, don't be offended as a woman. Manliness. You know there's a movement to make God some genderless thing. You know, you, you see that. And I understand, you know, he's, he, he made male and female after his own image. His image is spirit, right? And so he made, he's in their image, we're spirit, but he still made male and female, right? And, but really there are qualities that a man has that a woman can walk in because we're all one in the spirit. For example, Joan of Arc had valor, Right? She was a, she, I'd say she had valor. So you women of valor, mighty men of valor, but mighty women of valor. Man, when I look at some of these women, I say, you know, these are mighty women of valor. These are women that know the faith. They've kicked a few devils in their life. They know how to stand. They know how to endure. They know how to see the glory. They know how to press in. So we need those things. But even men need some of those Feminine things like nurturing. You know, we still should nurture and, and do that. There should be things. Well, we understand what I'm saying. All that genderless stuff is a bunch of bull. Thing is, God is a father. He's a father. He calls himself father for a purpose. He didn't call himself mother. But we know that he's spirit. And so we're not going to get caught up in all that stuff. You know what I mean? Because in male, there's no male or female. We understand. There's no marriage in heaven. Now, I hadn't figured all that yet because I'm planning on seeing Shirley when I get to heaven and continuing. I don't know how this is going to be. We're going to be married to him. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal, our husbands and wives. But there are people tell us they've been there and they saw all this stuff. I don't know. You've got to believe the word and not just the opinions of men when it boils down to it. Men can line up and say, I saw this and I saw that. If it's not written, I don't know if you saw it or not. You know what I mean? I'm not going to... Throw out your experience. But I, it's thus saith the Lord that I, we, we build our life on. Everybody with me? Okay, let's get beyond virtue. The virtue, oh, the, here's what else it means. Excellence. Resolute. Hey, we got to be resolute, James. Resolute in this hour. Not backing down from what God has said. And God, who God said I am. You know what I mean? Who we are. Resolute. Excellence, Christian energy, goodness, integrity, courage, moral value. Everybody in the world, it's like lying is like become, you know, acceptable and paraded. It's not in the kingdom. It's not in the, we don't want to be associated with lies. We're associated with truth and integrity. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. Okay, from virtue, add knowledge. You know, Paul told the church, don't be ignorant. Don't be led away by these dumb idols. I'm not going to go into great detail, but because it happened, I'm going to tell you. Should I do that? Yes. Yes. Somebody sent me something this week of a ministry that's coming to Moravian Falls.
They said, David, I want you to listen to these teachings. I believe it's got heresy in it. So I listened. And we listened, didn't we? We really, we were very kind. And we listened for what's good. We were discerning. Then I started picking up stuff. That's amazing. No repentance. God repents, not man. God is here to make you a success. Stuff like this. You know, that after you die, you cease to exist. I thought, no, wait a minute. If that's true, now he's talking about the unbeliever. He said, God has mercy on the unbeliever, so when they die, they just cease to exist. Wait a minute, where's that in the Scripture? So I was searching the Scriptures, and I thought, you know, if that's true, then Stephen Hawkins, who just died, had the truth. He did not have the truth. He was an atheist. They don't have the truth. Now, Stephen Hawkins now today knows the truth. Whatever, you know, but I can't remember all the things. There was, I, we made a whole list. Some of the things I agreed with, I said, you know, this is stuff we say we believe. And it's not no more true than a man. So it's not, a, it doesn't offend me when our faith is challenged. You know what I mean? We should have that kind of examine to self, yourself to see if you're in the faith. There's some things he taught. I said, you know, a lot of people believe this. This is not true. You showed me in the Bible. But he mixed truth with error. And it finally dawned on me, wait a minute, I'm reading that book on Gnosticism for a reason. This is a form of modern Gnosticism. That they believe, oh, what was, it was the cross, Jesus did not really die for your, your sin. Oh, yes, he suffered man's wrath, not God's wrath. That's a total, absolute assault against the cross. Because at the cross, He took on the wrath of God that was due us. And I'm not going to back down from the cross. I don't care who, who says that and how popular they are. But anyway, there were so many things. You're just going to have to... I can maybe fill in the gap later on. There's a whole list of stuff. But Gnosticism was this ancient heresy that believed if you just knew enough, you'd get it right. You know what I mean? You just know enough, you'd be the elite and have understanding. And you would know that all your stuff is foolish that you've been believing in knowledge. Well, knowledge puffs up. The, one, the knowledge we want to focus in is in, described in Second Peter, the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The revelation knowledge of Him. I may not know everything, but I know, if you know Him, you know enough. Now, we're all theologians because theology is the knowledge of God. So you've got to know the Word because these things are going to... Every wind of doctrine is going to sweep the planet in the last days. You better know in whom you have believed. You better be standing on the truth. You know, don't be some religious guy offended when your faith is challenged. Look it up. You list, hey, everything's up for debate. But then you follow. You be standing on, on the Word. Does that make sense? But we're really all theologians because we all have a knowledge of God. But you've got to remember this. Those of you watching my web stream... I, you remember I shared this story about this great theologian that was going to address the, these students, some university or maybe a seminary, I don't know. He would, and they could not wait to hear this man's theology, the theologian's theology. Now, how many of you remember that? Shirley does. David does. Nobody else does. Where were you guys that Sunday? I've shared this a couple of times. That Shirley does because she's heard all these stories. We've been around together for a while now. But anyway, this guy, this great theologian, they could not wait. Man, he's going to give us his theology. So they have their books. They have their notebooks, their pen. They're ready to hear this great theologian's theology. He stands up in front of them. He says, you want to know my theology? Here it is. Jesus loves me. This I know. 
for the Bible tells me so. That was the number one thing he needed to know. I'm telling you, you need to know that and you need to be rooted in that and God's love and don't be shaken by all these doctrines. Know in whom you have believed. Stand on the Word. Knowledge is not a bad thing. You know, people have suggested that we should start a memory, a ministry, no, a memory school. Yeah, that we should start one of those too. How many of you guys, you want to, I want to be in that memory school, you know what I mean? Help, Lord. Help. Help us if we want to go to memory school. No, ministry school. But you know what I thought? We are, this is a ministry school. You guys are in ministry school all the time. We may eventually, you, we may actually do some of that stuff. But last weekend, what was that? It was ministry school. On the gifts of the Spirit. When you get together and you rub up against one another, iron sharpens iron. You know what that is? Ministry school. When we come here, we, we get into the Word. That's ministry school. When you have a little home group and you're praying together and think, this ministry school. We're in ministry school. Say, I'm in ministry school. This is, he, God hadn't given up on any of us. Thank God He's not finished. We're growing in the faith. God is seeing to it. The greatest discipler. Now, this is not explaining away our responsibility when this harvest, as the harvest comes. We have to disciple. But you know who the greatest discipler is? The Holy Spirit. He discipled me. If He discipled me, He disciple you. He puts people in your path. He'll bring a book across your way. He'll cause you to hear the right thing, the right message. He'll direct, He'll put it on your heart to go to a certain place to hear a word of the Lord. How many of you know what I'm talking about? He's a great discipler, but it doesn't... Excuse us, because Jesus said, go and make disciples. So we got to do that. The way you make them is to make them followers of Jesus. That's how you do it. You make them a follower. You know, in America, we make them look like the movement or the denomination or this particular stream of thought. We don't want to look like some stream of thought. You know what I mean? You don't want to look like just the next movement that comes along. You want to look like Jesus. You want to, does that make sense? Is anybody with me? Some of you are saying it's lunch. It's time. No, no, I'm not going there yet. I'm going there later. It's not lunch yet. Okay, add to your knowledge. You got to add to it. Now we're in an adding mode. I like preaching line by line, precept by precept. And I like it when God gives me a topic, you know, that He's speaking relevant. But it's the Word that causes people to grow. It's the Word of God. It's not some Word of man. You can have the fanciest prophetic dream on earth. Big deal. It may or may not be true. But what God said is true. And if your dream backs up what God said, then I'm going to listen more intently. You know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm all the prophetic stuff. But I'm for the Word of God, the prophetic Scriptures. That's written. Now, is every detail. We know the, it's not some stuck religious thing. You gotta hear the Holy Spirit. You gotta have the Rhema. You gotta have the Rhema out of the Logos. Logos, it'll become some law unto itself. We're all on the same page. Okay. Now, but here's what the scripture says about self-control. Acts 24, Felix. Let me talk about Felix next week. That'd be good. Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. So in other words, there's a progression. You gotta remember, there's a judgment to come, so you, that's why you need to think a little bit about self-control and righteousness. That we're to seek His kingdom and His righteousness. Does that make a little sense? There's a, 
Self-control means you got to control yourself. Doesn't mean you just let your, you know how you control yourself. Anybody have a clue? Die by the grace you die. Die to yourself. We've said it a hundred times. I'm going to keep saying it. Do you know what dying to yourself will do to you? It'll kill you. It'll kill you. Remember that one. It'll just flat out kill you. Is what it, but I think that's the plan. You die to yourself. You arrive. You're risen to walk, to live. Oh, man. God, do it quickly. Grow us up quickly. God, let the Word of God break out and bring forth a great harvest. He's been planting words in us all our lives for this moment. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I'm trying to ignite it in you. Okay, and then Second Timothy 3, in the last days, remember, men will be without self-control. Did we see in any of that in this hour? Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. Just because it's right in your eyes, does not mean it's right in God's eyes. It's probably not. His ways are higher. And then Galatians 5 Remember, the, this is the good part. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness. And then what else? Self-control. This gives us a lot of hope. That self-control is not something i got to just work up myself. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. I received that gift. Isn't that a good news? That's good news. Thank you, God, and of such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with all of its passions and desires. And then add to your faith perseverance. Perseverance. Now, is that in the Scripture? Patience, perseverance, endurance, steadfastness. This is what is desperately needed in the American version of the church today. It's going to happen. It has to happen because those that endure to the end shall be saved. But you know, I was just, you know, as a pastor, you think these kind of things. You know, the, the American church sometimes irks you. It's got to irk God, too. Because somebody gets offended. And you know what happens when you get offended? You build a fence. And so then there's, create, there's division because of some stupid offense. Instead of dying to self and working it out and doing what God's Word says about offenses, they build a fence. Then you know what they do? Here's what they do. They tell other people about that offense. They all get offended. Then they go and they gather them in their own yard and build a fence around it. And then they got another fence. Then you got a fence over there. And then you got a yard over there, fenced-in yard, in their backyard. And then over in the... And you got all these offenses, building fences. I thought there was one church, one God, one Lord, one Spirit. How are you going to work all this out, God? He is going to work it out because He's God. He's just probably going to send a few things to break up the fences. God can tear fences down. You know what I'm talking about. He's going to tear some of them down because He never built them in the first place. They were built by man's offense. And they were outside of the will of God. But I'm thankful God is able to do all that stuff. Way beyond us. God, thank you. We're just in this. We're your sons and daughters. The big part is your. The big things are your job. In fact, the whole thing's his job. We're just followers. We're disciples. Amen. Is that encouraging, David? You ever been in a situation where you saw people offended? And they go build a fence. <laughs> when I saw that, I thought, now that's a pretty cool illustration, God. Thank you. Somebody's probably preached that before. Built fenced-in yards. But anyway...
I thought it was good. God come and shake the whole thing. Now, you know what Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 4 says. If the spirit of a ruler rises against you, don't leave your post. Now, if you look at it, it could be anyone. If anyone rises against you, don't leave your post. Here's what the Amplified says. If the temper of a ruler or anyone rises up against you and you feel mistreated, offended, don't leave your place or show some resisting spirit for gentleness and calmness prevents and puts a stop to great offenses. Well, we got to put a stop to some of these offenses. You know how you do that, don't you? You just follow the pattern in the Scripture. You go to that person. You know, I was just asking the Lord, Lord, will we ever get to the place where you don't hear murmurings and complainings and critical things? Well, if we're going to enter in, we better get there. Because, you know, that's one, of the, that's one of the things that kept them from entering in the promised land was murmurings. Some of the promises are yet on hold because of the murmurings. And complaining, and so God says, okay, I'm going to let you complain until you have nothing left to complain about. If you're 98 years old and, and your life is wasted and you've missed entering in, then it's your fault. It's not my fault. I made a way for you. I told you, you have a divine nature. You have divine promises. You're a partaker, a sharer in my nature. Anyway, we could go on and on, but you know, I've got to go on. Because Revelation 3.10, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will keep you in that hour. The perseverance that God wants to build in us is not necessarily something we know about. It's, it's part of our testimony before the world that we were those who endured all things. And we persevered until the very end. That will have a great effect on the lost of the world when we're persevering regardless of the cost. You know what I'm talking about. When they're about to behead you and you're persevering. No, I believe in Jesus. I, I'm a son of God. I'm telling you, I, my faith is in Him. I'm rooted and established. You can behead me. So ahead. Go ahead. Behead me. You're not going to hurt me that bad. It might hurt for a moment. But I know in whom I believe. And those who die, I'm going to be a part of a resurrection. And I'm going to live forever. Because my faith is rooted and grounded in the one who rose from the dead. And that's going to cause people to take notice. I've heard testimonies of that. They could not believe. They're putting these people to death. But they would not deny their faith. They're endured to the end. It's going to be one of the great testimonies. That's why we better add to our faith just what he said to add to it as part of our life. And then add to perseverance godliness. There's so many scriptures. Exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things. I missed my workout yesterday. I can't remember why. Oh, they must have been afraid of the snowstorm that really wasn't that bad. I don't know why, but they were closed. I was going. I went to Muzz's gym. The door was locked. But listen, godliness is way more profitable than going to Muzz's gym. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't know where Muzz's is. When you leave here, you go down 18, you'll see it on your left. I go there. I try to go three times a week. I don't often make it. But my intention is good. It is. I want to get on the treadmill. The other option, I could just run around the house and let Shirley chase me, and that would pump up things, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, we... Can I tell one little story? I, just... I mean, there's a... 
It's okay, but I remember when we first got married. (laughs) Should I tell them? It's probably silly. We first got married. (laughs) I was a pastor, and and so anyway, she would be teaching school. So when she got home from school, I'd come to the house because that's where my office was. It was a small church. Anyway, I would play hide-and-seek, so I'd hide up somewhere in the house. Surely, you know, and then she would try to find me. Anybody else do stuff like that? And she would always find me. Always. I could not, and I ran out of places. It's just stuff you do when you have fun and you get married, you know. It's just part of the story. But I don't play hide-and-seek from Shirley anymore. I'm just not going to do that. Because you can't hide. You can't They ain't nowhere to hide in this hour. You know what I mean? Who are you going to hide from? You're going to hide from God? You ain't going to hide from God. Just confess. Get right. Stay in the open. Anyway, I don't know how I got into all that. But let me just wrap that point up by saying, Bob saw the banner of holiness. It's going to be a mark of the people in the last day. So is godliness. They obviously fit together. And then add to that brotherly kindness. The Greek mindset was to show forgiveness and forbearance to those who have failed. Because you could fall yourself. Take heed lest you fall. And then brotherly kindness, love. And that's the last thing in the list. It's not the last thing. But it's really appropriate that in this particular journey, love is at the end. Because remember what Bob Jones, his life challenged us with. What was the question? Did you learn to love? Now, we're going to know, obviously, in that list, what did you do with my son, things like that. But did you learn to love? We want to be those that say yes, not by our testimony, but by, or not by our just words, but by our testimony. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. And then it says in verse 8, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to the blindness, and has forgotten that he himself was cleansed from his old sins. And so we want to make sure that these things are in us. Number one, we don't want to be useless or barren. The, bar- the word barren means useless. Did you know, can you remember anybody in the Bible who was useless, who became useful, and then somebody that was useful that became useless? Look it up. Anyway, I'll tell you. Philemon, he was referring to Onesimus. Paul says, he was once unprofitable to me, but now he's profitable. And then the, the other guy... It's close to Dumas. His name is Demas. Demas, you remember him? He forsook Paul. He turned away, having loved this present world. He was useful, but he became useless. We want to be those that are useful unto the very end, no longer barren. And then we are bearing fruit. And that's what it says, fruitful. And what's the most important fruit? In the knowledge of Him. That's it. Most important. The knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you specialize in that knowledge. A lot of these other things will come. And then if you abound, then we will not become short-sighted and blind and forgetful to what the cross has accomplished in us. The Passion Bible says, But if anyone lacks these things, he is blind, constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence from his past sin having been washed away. And how are we washed? By the blood of Jesus. 
So we got to remember these things. I've been washed by the blood. The accuser will often, always come accusing us of sin that's under the blood. Reminding of the power of the blood. And then you'll not miss out on your call and your election. You'll make your call and election sure. I know I'm called and I've been elected for this. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the living God. And then if you have all these things, you will never, what does it say? Stumble. Stumble. When we're children, we stumble. It's part of growing up. And we're going to, in the process, we stumble. But the Bible says the righteous stumble and they fall seven times, but they get back up. The righteous, we may stumble, but I'm going to get back up. And if we fall, we're going to fall in the right direction. We're falling toward Him, toward the cross. We're falling toward the goal, the ultimate purpose that He set us apart for. Does this make sense? It's time to quit stumbling, in other words. We need to have a sure walk. Steady. Steady as she goes. Yeah, the world's shaken. So what? I'm receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And I'm standing on a firm foundation, immovable, unshakable. The solid rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. And my path is not growing darker, it's growing brighter. The proverb says, it's the wicked who do not know what makes them stumble. But for the righteous, the just, their path is like the shining sun which shines ever brighter into the perfect day. Amen. And then the last thing is in verse 11, sort of what it ended up with. They will receive an entrance into the everlasting kingdom. Here's what the Passion Bible, as a result of walking in all these things and adding these things to your faith, knowing the divine nature, the divine promises, the divine power. As a result, the kingdom's gates will open wide to you. Here's how the way they interpret it. As God choreographs your triumphant entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a great triumphant. There's going to be a great shout, a great glory. Now this I can, I honestly, I don't, I'm, I try not to say we're about to close and never close. But this I'm going to close with. Someone died this week that is, was one of the, really he was one of the main guys of Morningstar back when this church was founded, way before us. Tim Winterstein. How many of you knew Tim? You know, precious young man. Well, not, well he was really relatively young. He's only 54. But, you know, I was just thinking... This is, you know, first of all, why did he go? But you know what his wife told me? She had a dream. And this was back, I don't know if the last year or so, but, but she had a dream that her husband was going to be leaving, that I've got, I've got to move on now. So anyway, they talked about it way back then. And, uh, but it became reality. And no, the way he put it was in the dream. I've got to make my transition soon. So anyway, you know how that encouraged her. You know, they talked about that the day that he died. Do you remember that dream? She said, you remember the dream? He said, yes, I do. And so he made his transition. But that guy's fruit remains. If anybody I know that fits John chapter 3, it was Tim Winterstein. When you met him, Tim was always talking about what the Lord had shown him or what the Lord had shown him about you. He was that kind of guy. He was always, he had a testimony. And when you left him, you knew that God was real. And I give you one quick example. He worked at Zagby's 
And I went into Zagby's and Tim worked it out where we could have lunch together. This was three or four months ago. And Tim, we sat down and Tim starts telling me about a prophetic experience he has where he sees the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. God was getting him ready. And he's trying to describe what he could, what he saw. And uh, yet it was undescribable, yet it, it captivated my heart. I'm going, whoa, this is amazing. Not only because of what he saw and what he was trying to describe, that very week I was asking God what to preach on. And you know what he was putting in my heart? On the new Jerusalem. So I'm thinking about the New Jerusalem, God. And I'm reading the Scriptures, the New Jerusalem. And there Tim tells me about this encounter that he's having with the New Jerusalem. You know what that told me? It told me God is real. Just like that Scripture. God is true. God knew I was thinking about this stuff. He arranged for me to go into Zagby's. And now I'm having lunch. And he confirmed to me what I'm to preach. And I preached that message. I didn't have any doubt in the world. I was supposed to preach on the New Jerusalem that Sunday. And God often does that kind of stuff. But the main thing was, I certified in my heart, after spending a little time with Tim Winterstein, God is real. And I thought, how many people Tim touched, they certified in their heart, after spending time with him, because he spoke into their lives, that God is true. God is real. And I want to know him. And that's the kind of life we want to live. His life was cut short at 54, but his fruit remains, and he lived to the fullest. Thank God for men like Tim Winterstein. And he was one of the founders of this church. He used to do what Keith does now. He, was, he took care of all the facilities, the yards, very humble man. But he always, always was talking about what God had shown him. And often about you or me. You know what I mean? He had words. You talk about words of knowledge. This man was a living, walking word of knowledge. And if you knew him, how many of you would agree? You knew him. He always was hearing from heaven and would speak on the earth. But that's the the way we're always to be. All of us. Men and women of integrity, of virtue, godliness, all these things. And so an entrance will be open to us, a triumphant, choreographed entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Well, that's enough of that story. Because the scriptures, I ran out of the scriptures. I could go to verse 12 where Paul says, he reminds them why he taught you all this stuff. You need to know it. Don't forget it. He talks about that in verse 12. And then you could go on. But I want this, I want God to seal it in us. And I want to pray that God will put, he'll ignite something in us that will cause us to leave this place wanting to add to this faith, that, this precious faith that we've received as a gift. And so, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, God, I ask for everyone in this room, everyone that's watching, that will watch this later on, that, God, you would release a fresh anointing. Lord, I ask for multiplied grace and peace to stir up the hunger and the passion. First of all, to grow and to know more of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. To pursue that ultimate gnosis. Not like that heresy we read about hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years ago. Or all of that. But that true knowledge of knowing Him. Paul said that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings. And God, I ask You now to stir and release in us that pursuit of virtue, that pursuit of godliness, 
the pursuit of knowledge according to the way you've defined it. And faith. I'm asking you to do it. Stir it up here. And I thank you. You will. In Jesus' name. I want you to stand. I want to lead you in that prayer because I actually, I wrote it down. Just with your eyes closed, just put your hands out. Just pray this. We're going to pray what we just read from the Scripture. Say, Lord, thank you for faith. The faith that I've received. I ask you to help me to be diligent to add to my faith. That I might have virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. That I would learn to love even as you love. That I might not be useless but be useful and fruitful in the knowledge of my Lord and Savior. Help me to keep my eyes open and not become forgetful that I've been cleansed from my old sins, that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have been passed away. And that I might make my calling and election sure. And that an entrance will be supplied abundantly to me into your everlasting kingdom. Now, Lord, we seal this this morning. God, I pray, let it be real, let it be sealed, let it be done. Lord, just like that old movie. So let it be written, so let it be done. It's written in the Word. And it's written in our hearts. Thank you for the revelation, the rhema that comes out of the Logos. Lord, we want to be a people of your Word. And a people that walk in the Spirit. Lord, thank you we get that privilege to do both. And we love you. Right now, God, I pray for anyone in this room or anyone watching this webcast that has never received Christ Jesus. They've never received this like precious faith. And I thank you, God, that it's your will that none should perish, but all would come to repentance. And so, God, I pray right now for the drawing and the convicting of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you. It's harvest time. And so we take these nets and we cast them over the Internet. And we say, come to Jesus. God so loves the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him, you will not perish but have everlasting life. And if you this morning will believe in your heart, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, if you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, and if by faith you receive Him it's as He is drawing you and convicting you, this is your hour of salvation. And so we want to lead you in a prayer. Those that are watching, those maybe in this room, because it's harvest time. It's harvest time. Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So just say, dear God, let's all pray it out loud. Just to encourage those that are praying this, maybe for the first time in their heart. Say, dear God, I believe in you. And I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. And I confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I repent from all of my sin. And I trust in your death, the burial, and resurrection. 
And I ask you to come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with power and this divine nature that I can live for you and bear fruit in your kingdom for the rest of my life. And I thank you, God, that whosoever calls upon your name, the name of your Son, the name that is above every name, they shall be saved. And I thank you for it. I receive it. I receive you by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.